We shall now turn to the chapter which we read together, Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, and our text for this morning is verse 15. Mark 15, verse 15. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. <clears throat> what is the Christian religion all about? What do you think Christianity is? What does the man in the street think about Christianity? Most people would say that Christianity is about being good. It's about loving your neighbour. It's about following the example of Jesus. <clears throat> but that's not really Christianity. That's a religion of good works. It's the religion that's taught in many churches, but it's not the religion of the New Testament. The Christian religion is actually Jesus Christ and him crucified. The gospel isn't follow the example of Jesus. The gospel is Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The gospel is that God became man, died on the cross for sinners and rose again. And he's alive and he's mighty to save. And the only way to be saved is through Jesus. Good works won't do because they're never good enough. In order to help us to understand the gospel, I would like <clears throat> to ask the question today, why was Jesus crucified? Why do you think Jesus was crucified? Was it that things went wrong? Was it an unfortunate mistake? Was he crucified as a martyr? Dying for a good cause? Or was there some other reason? Why was Jesus crucified? Well, first of all, in answering that question, I would like you to, to think of why the Jews wanted Jesus crucified. Jesus went around doing good. You remember how he went around Galilee and Judea and Samaria and up to Jerusalem, how he healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, gave hearing to the deaf, sight to the blind, 
caused the lame to walk, <clears throat> fed the hungry, doing good, doing miraculous good things, kind things, loving things. So why did they crucify such a good person, a person who helped so many people? Well, first of all, they crucified him because his religion was different. The common Jewish religion at the time was like the common religion today. Be good and you'll get to heaven. Ask anybody out on the streets there who goes to heaven, good people or bad people. And they'll all say good people go to heaven. That's not what the Bible teach, teaches. Bible teaches that bad people go to heaven. Yes, bad people go to heaven. It's only sinners who get to heaven. Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but to bring sinners to repentance. I came not to heal the healthy, but to heal the sick. Who does Jesus save? Sick people. Bad people. Sinners. So it's not good people who go to heaven. It's bad people. Bad people who trust in Jesus. Bad people who are washed and saved by the blood of Christ. But the common Jewish religion, the religion of the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, it was all about keeping the commandments, being good, and everything will be fine. Love your neighbor, be kind, don't steal, don't tell lies, don't commit adultery. If you were to ask the scribes and the Pharisees, are you good? They would say, yes, we're good. Will you get to heaven? The chief priests would say, oh yes, we're going to heaven. Why will you get to heaven? Because we're good. Because we keep the commandments. Because we worship God. Because we try our best. And there's so many just like that today. But Jesus said, it's no use. Jesus said, when you have done your very best, call yourself an unprofitable servant. When you've done your very best, and you've tried your hardest, and you've done wonderful good works, say, I'm a failure, an unprofitable servant. Yes, a hell-deserving sinner. You see, God is perfect. And God says, be perfect as I am perfect. He doesn't say, be good and that's good enough. He says, be perfect. Are you perfect? 
One sin is enough to condemn you to hell forever. One sin, just one. And the Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. Did you ever tell a lie? Just yesterday I was thinking of a couple of lies that I told when I was in school many years ago. I'm ashamed of it now. But sadly, I didn't just tell two lies. How many lies have you told in your life up till now? You know what it says in the book of Revelation? All liars shall have their part in the fire that burns forever. All liars shall have their part in hell. Are you a liar? Are you on the road to hell? If you're a liar, you are. Did you ever covet? The Tenth Commandment says, Thou shalt not covet. Did you ever see something someone else had and wanted for yourself? Did you ever want to have their house or their car or their clothes or their looks or their strength or their popularity or their brains? Did you ever covet something someone else had? Is there anyone in the world who has never coveted? <coughs> Did you ever commit adultery? Jesus said, if you look upon a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery. Now, I'm sure there's probably a, a, a small number of people who have never lusted. Tiny number of people. Never lusted after a man or a woman. They're kind of perhaps asexual people. But the vast majority of us it's so natural to lust. Who could say that they've never lusted in their life? Have you ever murdered somebody? Jesus said, if you're angry, you're a murderer. Were you ever angry? So you're a murderer. You're an adulterer. You're a liar. You're covetous. And you think you're good enough to go to heaven? Be perfect, for I am perfect. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The wages of sin is death. We sinned in Adam. 
We were born sinners. Sin is natural. Sin is easy. And sin is disgusting to God. And sin will be punished. But the chief priests and the elders, they were hypocrites. Outwardly good living. Able to put on a good show. But their hearts were sinful, just like your heart and my heart. And condemned. Now, Jesus taught this new religion. Well, it wasn't really new. It had been there in the Old Testament too. The kind of religion that David had. When he said, I was born in sin and shapen in iniquity. Do thou with hyssop sprinkle me, I shall be cleansed so. Create in me a clean heart, Lord, renew a right spirit within me. David was a sinner and he knew it. But he was saved by his faith in Christ. And so in the Old Testament, there were the faithful and the godly who looked to, who looked to the Messiah, who looked to the coming Saviour who trusted in the blood and were saved. But so many people in Jesus' day, Jesus' religion was different. It condemned their hypocrisy. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. Woe unto you, curses upon you, you leaders of the church. Straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel making a great fuss about little things and you forget the weightier matters of the law of God. And then there was another reason that the Jews didn't like Christ. He undermined their traditions. Amazing how people love their traditions. And the Jews were great for their traditions and are up to this present time. Their traditions distinguish them. And they've kept up their traditions for the past 2,000 years, although they were scattered away from Jerusalem and Judea right across the world, and yet they clung tenaciously to their traditions. You see, God gave us the Bible, and the Jews added their traditions to the Bible. Now it's not just the Jews that are traditional. The most traditional people you could say are the Roman Catholics and the Roman Catholics put their tradition on the same level as scripture and similarly the Eastern Orthodox churches. They set their traditions on the same level as scripture with just as much authority. So they hold to these developments that have taken place over the years. They cling to these things and they give to these things authority. Now the Jews were like that. For example, God had given the, com the commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, in it thou shalt not do any work. But then the Jews added their traditions. So for the Jews to switch on an electric light on the Sabbath is a sin. Why? Well, they've added it as a sin. And they say it's lighting a fire on the Sabbath to switch on a light. 
It's work on the Sabbath. These are the traditions of the, the Jews. When you came in from the marketplace, you had to, to wash, to baptise your hands. Why baptise your hands? Baptise yourself when you came in from the market. It wasn't a matter of hygiene. It was rather a matter of, well, the marketplace, there's all these sinners out there, and we need to symbolically wash when we come in from the market. They were adding their traditions. They would criticise Jesus for breaking the Sabbath or his disciples because they picked up ears of corn in the field as they passed through when they were hungry to eat. They made a great deal of these things. And Jesus said they were forgetting the principle of necessity and mercy. There are certain things that are necessary on the Sabbath, but they had their traditions. Jesus was particularly concerned because by their traditions, they said it was all right to give something to the church, to give something to the temple. And by giving that to the temple, you were released from your obligation towards your parents. You didn't have to, bo you didn't have to bother honouring your parents because you had given this gift to the temple. But the commandment of God was being made void by their traditions. Or they were saying it was all right to, you, you could swear by the altar and you could swear by something that was on a, upon the altar, the thing that was offered on the altar. If you swore by the altar, you could break your oath. It didn't matter. But if you swore by a, something that was on the altar, then you had to keep that. What utter rubbish. Utter rubbish. Traditions. But Jesus, he showed up their traditions, so they hated him for that. Verse 10 in this chapter tells us another reason why they hated him. For he knew that the chief priests had delivered Jesus up for envy. They were envious of him because crowds came to listen to him. Thousands came to listen and they came to him to be healed and to experience the miracles that he did. And, of course, the leaders of the Jews, those who had got their degrees in the university in Jerusalem, they thought that people should respect them far more than the carpenter's son from Nazareth. So they were envious of him because of his popularity. And then... We see in the previous chapter how they condemned Jesus to death. Verse 64. They condemned Jesus to death for blasphemy because Jesus said the truth. Verse 61. The high priest said, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed, the Son of God? Jesus said, I am. And ye shall see the Son of Man on the right hand of power coming in the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his clothes 
What need we any further witnesses? You've heard the blasphemy because he claimed he was the son of God. And he was just this man from Galilee. Oh, but he was the son of God. Blasphemy. He claimed to be the Messiah, the king of the Jews. And so they accused him before Pilate of treason. He had set himself up as a king. So there we have the reasons why the Jews crucified Christ. Different type of religion. They regarded him as a false teacher, undermining their traditions, envious of him, a blasphemer who claimed to be the son of God, claimed to be the Messiah. Well, in the second place, why did Pilate crucify Jesus? We notice that the chief priests in verse 1 and the elders, the scribes, the whole council bound Jesus, delivered him to Pilate and they condemned Jesus before Pilate as one who set himself up as the king of the Jews. Pilate asked, Art thou the king of the Jews? How sayest it? Yes, I am. The chief priests accused him of many things. He answered nothing. He wasn't defending himself. And Pilate marveled. He was amazed. Answerest thou nothing? And Jesus still said nothing. He wasn't defending himself. And Pilate was amazed. And we notice in verse 14, Pilate said unto the crowd, Why, what evil hath he done? Pilate knows that Jesus has done no evil. And yet, he scourged him and handed him over to be crucified. Why? Why did Pilate crucify Jesus? Because he wants to be popular. He wants to keep the Jewish leaders on his side. Wants to be highly thought of by them. Also, he was afraid that the Jewish leaders would accuse him to Caesar, the emperor. Accuse him of treason. If thou dost not crucify this man, thou art not Caesar's friend. That's what they said to him. He loves his power. He loves his position as governor of Judea. And he wants to keep it. And so he's not that concerned about justice. Rather, he's concerned that nobody accuses him of treason, allowing somebody to live who claims to be a king as over against Caesar. And then also, especially we see, then Pilate said unto them, verse 14, Why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out to more exceedingly, Crucify him. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. So he wants to keep the peace. He's afraid of the, the mob that uh, was being stirred up. So it's all out of selfish interest. Pilate doesn't really care about justice. Pilate crucifies Jesus in order to keep his own position and to keep it secure. 
But then, most interesting of all, why does God allow the crucifixion himself? Why did God allow it to happen? Why did Jesus himself allow himself to be crucified? God is almighty. God could have stopped it if he wished. And Jesus also had the power. He performed mighty miracles. Remember how he raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man, dead four days, rose out of the grave. Remember how he said to the wind and to the waves, be still. He could control the, the wind and the waves, his mighty power. And even when the mob came to arrest him in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus asked them, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am he. And he said it with such power that the soldiers and the police and the crowd with them fell over backward. He could have destroyed them if he wished. He could have called down fire from heaven as Elijah did to destroy his enemies. He says himself he could have asked for 12 legions of angels to, to defend him. But he doesn't. So he allows it to happen. And he allows it to happen and God allows it to happen because there's a purpose in it. A purpose of mercy. There's a covenant of redemption which he has entered into. A covenant between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. A covenant that the Son of God will become man and die on the cross to save the elect. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten Son to be crucified so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It was all the plan of God. Christ came. He came to take our sins, to be punished in our place. As he says earlier in Mark's Gospel, he came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Came not to be served, not to, to have people running around serving him, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Good works cannot, at the end of the day, save any of us, because good works are never good enough. Keeping the commandments is no use because if you break one, then you're condemned. The law shows us that we're sinners. The only thing that will work for our salvation is substitution. The Lord Jesus coming and living a perfect life and giving to us that righteousness. Imparted to us. Received by faith alone. Christ's perfect life given to us so that we are perfect 
and even the all-knowing God who knows everything about us can find nothing to condemn. Not one sin in our life because they've all been taken by Jesus. He took our sins upon himself and was punished in our place. He gave us his righteousness and so we stand justified before God. He voluntarily sacrificed himself on the cross of Calvary. There he endured hell, real hell. Not what people in this world call hell, but real hell. Yes, the hatred of men and the physical pain of crucifixion, but more than that. Yes, the hatred of devils. As bees they compass me about, the whole of the devils of hell tormenting him. But more than that, far more than that, far more than the physical pains and the mental pains, he suffered real hell. And what is real hell? Spiritual pain. Intense spiritual pain. So intense that he cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God forsaken us. God's wrath and curse poured upon him. God's divine indignation. He was given a cup to drink. In the garden of Gethsemane he sweated blood, crying out as he saw the cup approaching, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless not my will but thine be done. That cup was the cup of the wrath of God. The wrath of God against sin. And he drank every drop in that cup. And then he turned it upside down. And he licked the last drop. It is finished, he cried. It is completed. I've done it. I've saved my people. I went through real hell. I went to the very bottom of the bottomless pit. He suffered that hell on the cross of Calvary. In my room and in my place. Condemned for me. This is the gospel. It's not a matter of following the teaching of Jesus or following the example of Jesus. It's receiving and embracing the Lord Jesus Christ.
taking him into our heart, claiming him as ours, and experiencing the washing, the complete washing by the blood of Christ of every sin you ever committed. All washed away and experiencing the grace of God transforming you from being a sinner into a saint. And then finally we have here the story of Barabbas, which is in a sense an illustration of the gospel. The Jews got a prisoner released at Passover. The Romans were the oppressive foreign government. But at Passover time, as a gesture of goodwill, they would allow one prisoner to be set free. And amongst the prisoners, there was a man named Barabbas, a terrorist, and a man who had committed murder in his insurrection against the Romans. There he was, along with other fellow terrorists, on death row, just waiting to be crucified. A guilty Sinner, a guilty criminal, a guilty murderer about to be executed. The crowd asked Pilate to release for them a prisoner. And Pilate, knowing that the leaders of the Jews had delivered Jesus because of envy, he, apply, <coughs> he applies to the crowd and he says to the crowd who had come along to the governor's palace, and he says to them, would you like to have your king released? The one who is performing all these miracles and <clears throat> the one who is so loving and so good and is your leader, your Messiah. Surely you want him, the king, released, the king of the Jews. That was the crowd that a few days earlier were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. They were out there waving their palm branches and putting their garments down on the road for Jesus to ride over. So excited about it all, but oh, how quickly the mob can change. Do you want Jesus release the king of the Jews? And they say no. We want Barabbas. We want the murderer. Set the murderer free. And let the godly king of the Jews be crucified. Let the son of God die on the cross. Let the one who never sinned be crucified. And that's what we have. We have Jesus dying in the place of Barabbas. Barabbas the murderer. Friends, there'll be murderers in heaven. 
There'll be rapists in heaven. There'll be child abusers in heaven. There'll be all kinds of criminals in heaven. But there's, there'll be nobody in heaven but those who trust in Jesus. Sinners saved by grace. Barabbas the murderer, he's set free and Jesus is crucified. What is your hope for eternity? How do you expect to get to heaven? Don't talk about your works. What think ye of Christ? What place does he have in your heart and in your life? Has he come in and changed you? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Let's pray. O oh Lord our God we thank thee that we have a wonderful saviour we thank thee for the Lamb of God <coughs> who died on the cross of Calvary to set us free who bore our sins in his own body on the tree suffered for them there and bore them away carried them away so that we will never meet them again what a wonderful saviour we have. Oh, that we would love him with all our heart and serve him with all our mind. Forgive us for sin, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. <coughs> our closing praise is Psalm 67. Lord, Psalm 67, the first version. Lord, bless and pity us, shine on us with thy face, that the earth thy way and nations all may know thy saving grace. Let people praise thee, Lord, let people all thee praise. O oh, let the nations be glad in songs their voices raise. Psalm 67 to God's praise. <coughs>
intimations are as follows. The evening service, as usual, at 6.30 p.m. And we hope to have a fellowship in the manse after the service, to which you're all welcome to come. The prayer meeting on Thursday evening at the usual time, 7.30. The services next Lord's Day at the usual times, 11 a.m., and 6.30pm all God willing Mr Ferrier's book Ministers of the Free North is on the table in the vestibule for those who have ordered it these are all the intimations <coughs> the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore Amen Amen, Amen.